programming the first computer before programming was invented. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Kathy Kleiman, professor at American University's Washington College of Law and founder of the ENIAC Programmers Project. Welcome, Kathy. Thank, thank you, Tanya, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Great. Well, thank you for taking some time out to talk about this. What is the ENIAC Programmers Project and what motivated you to start it? I'm really glad you asked. It's one of my favorite topics. The ENIAC stands for Electronic Numerical Integrator Computer, and it was the world's first general purpose all electronic programmable computer. Really, the first modern computer, the trunk of the modern computer tree. Uh, everything, our smartphones, our laptops, all are descendants of, of the ENIAC ideas and technology. And it was a World War II project. It was our secret World War II project. Bletchley Park, which we hear a lot about now, was a UK secret World War II project. And there were a number of women working on the decryption of the German code. And it turns out that for the ENIAC, there were women working on the programming of the ENIAC during World War II and just afterwards. And when I was an undergraduate, many years later, I found pictures of the ENIAC, which was huge, eight feet tall, 80 feet long, black steel. And the pictures had men in them and the men were in the captions and there were women there too, but the women's names weren't in the captions. And I took the photographs to my professor and I said, who are the women? And he sent me to a computer historian and she said they were models and they didn't look like models. They, these were women who had a very clear connection to this enormous machine. They looked very confident. They, they looked like they knew just what they were doing. And I tracked them down. And all six of the first of the original programmers of NIAC were young women mathematicians working on it during World War II for the US Army. And it's a, just a wonderful story that I've had the privilege of telling and I tell it through the organization, the ENIAC Programmers Project. And it is a great story. And I, and I wanna dive into that. First, let's, let's start with uh, ENIAC itself. What, what problem was ENIAC first tasked to solve? That's a very good question because computers are created and funded to solve problems, even though computer history doesn't normally tell us that. Computer history is kind of one machine to another machine. That's not really how it goes. Um, it goes by problem. So during the war, the US Army had a very important problem. It was the calculation of ballistics trajectories. That's a differential calculus equation that there's a missile from the time it leaves the muzzle of a gun to hit a target. And by the time we get to World War II, uh, artillery is shooting way out of sight. So in the old days, you, you would position a cannon at the right angle to hit a target because you could see the target. But uh, long and medium range artillery could shoot 10 to 14 miles far beyond any, anything the gunner could see. And so you needed to know what angle to shoot the gun. And it turns out that at ranges of that huge distance, um, really you know, quite substantial distances, um, weather has an impact on the arc of the trajectory of the missile. So whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whether there's wind can all impact that trajectory and a differential calculus equation can take all of those variables into account. So the army needed people to calculate this equation. I say people because the electromechanical computers of the day or machines of the day really didn't have the capability to do this. So you needed people who could do differential calculus equations, which means you needed people who went to college and studied mathematics. And by the time we get to early World War II, 
it means you need women because all the men have already been taken. Um, they're going off to combat, but they're also going off to a secret project like the Manhattan Project to do mathematical calculations. So the army relocates um, its computing project, they call it the computing project for these trajectories to Philadelphia to go look for women who are coming in from the all women and the co-ed schools in Philadelphia. And they find these marvelous, wonderful, educated, creative, interesting young women at um, University of Pennsylvania and Drexel University and Chestnut Hill College for Women. And then they go up to New York and then they go across the country looking for women to calculate these trajectories. And you'll never guess the title that they call them. They call them computers because computer was a person before it was a machine and their job is computing these trajectories. But it still wasn't enough uh, for the firing tables that the army was creating. They were collecting all of these equations and putting them into booklets that could then be referenced on the battlefield. And it took 30 to 40 hours to do one of these equations by hand. The army needs thousands. So how do you get that? Well, the army agreed to fund uh, a project no one ever thought would work, which was ENIAC. Uh, ENIAC would be, again, the first all-electronic programmable general purpose computer. And it would run on about 18,000 vacuum tubes, which no one ever thought would be able to work together in concert at the same time for more than a few seconds. And if it did that, the creators, the inventors, the visionaries of ENIAC said that it would be able to do a trajectory in about 20 seconds. So about 40 hours down to about 20 seconds. And uh, the army said, well, we don't know if it'll work, but if it does, we really, really need this. This could save a lot of lives on the battlefield. And um, they funded it and it did work and it changed everything. This is what created the information age. So good job for the army for funding it. And uh, it all goes back to the ballistics trajectory. Tell us more about the ENIAC-6. I mean, who were these women? And tell us more about where they came from. So some of the women came from the Philadelphia area. We have Kay McNulty, who uh, went to Chestnut Hill College for Women, and she graduated in May of 42, and she was looking for a job in mathematics in her major. And at the time, women weren't hired as bookkeepers. They weren't hired as accountants. They weren't hired as actuaries. Those were all all, would you believe help wanted? It used to have two sections, the men's help wanted and the women's help wanted. And all those jobs were under the men's help wanted. So she was looking for a job after graduating and nearly fell off her chair when she saw that the army had listened an ad saying it was looking for math majors. And she called up her two best friends who were also the only other two math majors in her graduating class that year. And she invited them to the interview and one came and one didn't. And so Frances Byla Spence would, uh, would become uh, another woman who both did the calculation ballistics trajectories and would join the ENIAC programming team. Marlon Westcock was also in Philadelphia and she was at Temple University and she was recruited to the project because she was just brilliant at using something called the mechanical desktop calculator. These were mechanical devices that were used to do kind of large multiplication tables and in, in those multiplication equations. And she was just great at that. And then she was recruited to be a programmer. Betty Holberton had gone to the University of Pennsylvania and she was similarly recruited. Um, we have Ruth Lichterman who came down from New York. She was recruited out of Hunter College studying mathematics. And 
Jean Jennings came all the way from a farm in Missouri. She had just graduated in December of 45. So she's the last person to, one of the last people to kind of join the project late in the war. And uh, she's recruited and she tells her family, she's going to the East Coast and she's gonna help the war effort and she does. So these women actually become this melting pot, these six, we call them the ENIAC six, and they become a melting pot of the country um, of diversity and just, um, you know, wonderful educations, and they're given a project no one's ever had to solve before, which is programming a differential calculus equation onto a brand new computer um, through rather unusual means, and they do it. And when I asked them how they did it, they said everyone was doing out of the ordinary things. It was our job to do, so we figured it out. And to me, they're, they're the ultimate role models. I mean, they're innovators, they're creators, they're pioneers, and they loved telling the story of programming the ENIAC. They figured it out. Oh gosh, I want to talk more about that. The computers, in fact, the programmers, if you will, were not allowed to see the ENIAC. And to figure out how to program it, they had to actually reverse engineer the machine from schematics. How difficult was that for them? It was hard. Um, the army in its infinite intelligence, it wasn't the army's fault. You know, somebody forgot to get the clearance for the women to go in and see this top secret project. They had the clearance to do the ballistics trajectories, but no one had cleared them to go into the room to see the ENIAC. So instead they were hired handed wiring diagrams and logical diagrams of the ENIAC and basically told, we did the hard part, we built it. You do the easy part and make it do that differential calculus equation. Uh, for all the geeks in the audience, I will tell you that there were only 10 words of memory on the ENIAC and to do a ballistics trajectory calculation with 10 words of memory is stunning in and of itself. Um, but as you said, they had to learn how each unit of the NEAP worked. They were strange sounding units, accumulator, square root divider, um, master programmer, cycling unit. And they learned how each one worked and they learned how to string them together. And they learned how to, um, they created their own um, what we would call flowchart now, they call them peddling sheets. So they created their own framework for uh, keeping track of the program and of its logic. Um, and then later they would plug it in. Um, but that was really just the last stage of programming where they put their program on the computer with dozens of cables and wires and 3000 switches and try keeping track of all of that. Oh, wow. So what happened to these women after the war ended? They did not go home. We are told every woman went home after the war. The US Army runs a campaign to give a man a job and the women are urged, whether they really want to or not, to leave the factories and the farms. And uh, some of them have, have become producers in Hollywood. There, there are some very interesting stories of, of the women who wanted to go home and also the women who didn't. But in this case, the Army was very smart and they realized that there was no one coming home from the battlefield that could do what these women could do because the job hadn't existed before the men had left. And so the women are allowed to work for as long as they want, even when they're married. The army, they become the first teachers of the next generation of, you know, the first generation of modern programmers. Um, they start creating the tools for new programming. Betty Holberton, Betty Schneider Holberton will create the foundation of modern software on UNIVAC which is the first commercial computer that will be done by largely the same creators as ENIAC. Um, but now they've left the University of Pennsylvania and created a private company. 
but um, the ENIAC programmers were, were fascinated with programming and they knew what they had done very, very difficult, almost impossible for someone else to learn. And so they were absolutely dedicated to creating tools that would make programming easier and more accessible for everyone to use. And I'm convinced that that mentality that they had and the tools that they created uh, were key to advancing the speed of programming um, and the speed of which we could use the computer. Uh, afterwards, we went from zero to 60 very fast. And part of it was their ingenuity. Very inspiring, these women. Tell us about the documentary and where can we find it? Thank you for asking. So the documentary was a long process in coming. This whole thing has been a long process in coming. I call it my never ending undergraduate thesis. Um, so I found them when I was an undergraduate and I wrote my junior and senior papers on them. Then I went off to become a programmer on Wall Street. And when there were some cracks that what were girls doing you know, in IT, I told them we founded the field and to leave me alone because I had every right to be there. And I told other women that too. And I realized that we had to tell these stories. And so um, when I found out that most of the ENIAC programmers had not initially been invited to the 50th anniversary of ENIAC, which um, they should have been, but no one seemed to know their story. Uh, I realized we had to um, we had to tell their story. We had to capture it, and so um, I didn't know anything about documentary production. But we arranged for a grant. I spent six months in the Library of Congress, learning as much as I could about '40s and '50s hardware. I knew about programming by then, but not so much about the hardware. And then um, we arranged for very high quality, wonderful photo shoots that I worked with David Rowland, very senior PBS producer, to uh, record the oral histories of four of the six ENIAC programmers. And those oral histories about a decade later would become the basis of the documentary called The Computers, The Remarkable Untold Story of the ENIAC Programmers. And it's a 20 minute documentary short. It's designed to fit into classrooms, into STEM events, into um, tech events, and to kind of encourage conversations and encourage dialogue and discussion and networking and all sorts of other things. Kathy Klein, yes. Oh, oh, and I forgot to tell you where you can find it. You can find it at ENIAC Programmer, at the ENIAC Programmers Project website, which is www.eniacprogrammers.org. And there's a tab that says, see the film. And you can arrange for a screening for your organization, or you can go to Vimeo for a private viewing. Uh, lots of different ways to see it. It's in distribution from a wonderful group in New York called Women Make Movies, which distributes films by and about women. And um, we're, we're, you know, share it with uh, your favorite, uh, your favorite local computer science class. Love it. Kathy Kleiman, professor at American University's Washington College of Law and founder of the ENIAC Programmers Project. Thanks for sharing this with us, Kathy. And uh, if somebody wants to connect with you personally uh, after getting a copy of the film, what's the best way they can do that? They can find me at Klein K uh, at Twitter at uh, K-L-E-I-M and then another K or just write to me at Kathy at ENIAC Programmers Project at ENIAC Programmers.org. Um, and I will, I will get the message and write back. And one of the things we are doing is gathering additional stories. So if you have stories of, of great women in early computing, please share because we believe so many of these stories have not been told. I love it. Thanks so much, Kathy. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyaha.net. Thanks for watching.